This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. The best week of the NFL offseason is officially here. It is draft week, ladies and gentlemen. And Mike Tomlin and GM Omar Khan spoke yesterday, Labs, and the burning question on everybody's mind, of course, was answered when Omar Khan declared, we will not be taking a quarterback in this year's draft. Or was it potentially we were not taking a quarterback in the first round of this year's draft? you have some thoughts on what he said? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, let me just read. I, I will read you um, the transcript of what Omar, uh, the question he was asked and his answer. And I understand what it looks like um, on paper or, you know, on your laptop or your <laughs> phone or, you know, however you read these kinds of things now. Um, but I do have some some thoughts on that um beyond it so anyway the question and leading up to this the uh the they were discussing uh the deep positions in the draft you know what what positions right. are the deepest and the question was you said corner was an air an area where there was depth what other positions do you feel have depth in this draft and omar khan's answer was i mentioned overall it's really good you get excited about the D-line group. The O-line group is good. The corner group is good. Outside linebacker group is good. There's some good quarterbacks. We're not taking a quarterback. Um, now, as I mentioned, that sounds pretty definitive. Uh, and But I also believe that um, that wasn't, and again, I'm putting words in his mouth, so, you know, bear with me here. Um, one of the one of the characteristics of these pre-draft press conferences uh, featuring uh, the GM and the coach, and the Steelers have been doing these for 20-plus years, is that there is no definitive information passed. I mean, they just don't do that. They don't believe in it. It's unnecessary. And I don't really think that... Um, you know, it really serves any purpose for any team to say specifically we will or will not do something in the draft, you know, four days before the actual event even begins. And so my a lot of the questions, a lot of the tone uh, of this press conference to this point had to do with the first round, the 17th pick. Right. Um, and they're discussing, they were talking about, will you trade up, will you trade back, you know, and expl Omar explained all of the, you know, we we will evaluate all of that. We'll have conversations with all the teams. We haven't had all the, with we haven't had conversations with all of the teams yet, but by the time we get to Thursday, that will have been done, blah, 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 okay. <laughs> and so I just think that, you know, he was in the first round um, mindset because, First of all, I don't, I don't believe, you know, I can see Omar or Mike Tomlin saying we're not taking a quarterback when you're referring to the first round because you just picked Kenny Pickett first last year. And there is a lot of uh, belief slash excitement about him and his future in the NFL. So that I could see. I remember Kevin Colbert and, and even Bill Cowher mentioning that, you know, in Ben's 
um, early NFL career, they would say we're not picking a quarterback <laughs> first. Obviously, it wasn't didn't take a rocket scientist, you know, to deduce that. But if you look at the Steelers roster right now, there's only two quarterbacks on the well, what can be a 90-man roster, and you want to go to training camp with four, and because the Steelers traditionally keep three, so I'm just going to assume that the, the, the keeping three is going to be the plan continuing into the 2023 NFL season. And, you know, when you go to camp, you do want four. Now, I understand last year they had four, but Chris Oladokun, the fourth guy, got very little um, right. reps, looks in training camp. But you also had two new quarterbacks in camp. Mitch Trubisky, who might have been a veteran, but he was new to the Steelers, and then Kenny Pickett, the first-round pick. There's a lot of drills that are going on. You don't want to um, wear out any of the quarterback's arms. So if you have two and you want four by late July, I believe that it's probable, um, just, just a little bit below highly likely, that the Steelers are going to use a late-round pick on a quarterback, because how else are you going to get to four? Um, I don't, you know, I know you can look at uh, undrafted rookies, but if you don't draft one and you only have two at the end of the draft, you know, undrafted rookies get a chance to pick where they want to go. Exactly. And I don't know if you could pick, you know, two of you could convince two of them to come uh, because they're going to pretty much know or f have the sense or belief that, you know, just kind of being two guys competing for one spot uh, and, and, you know, coming in the same way. I mean, I, I do believe that maybe these guys would like to go somewhere else. But if you draft one, that guy has no choice. He's going he's gonna to have to come to you or not, you know, play in the league at all. And if you're a late-round pick, you know, you don't want to cut your nose off to spite your face. So the, I believe that the way that the Steelers are going to get to four is – draft one late, and then sign an undrafted rookie or maybe a tryout guy or something like that. So, again, as I said, I'm putting words in Omar's mouth, but I'm just kind of trying to read the tea leaves. I was at the press conference, so I got a sense of, you know, the atmosphere and the tone, and that's the way I see that. I do agree, admit that when you're, you know, looking at it, it does seem to be definitive, but I, I just think that what was in Omar's head when he was answering the question was not what tends to come across uh, when you're looking at the answer in the stark, uh, you know, on your phone or laptop. No, I, I think you're picking up on something there for sure. I mean, it's just when you really lay it out that they only have two and they need four. I mean, you're not just talking about an add-on fourth guy here to be a camp arm. You're looking for someone to be that third quarterback on your roster to make the team not be active on game days if everybody's healthy, but to still be there week in and week out. Maybe there's a guy you like in the draft in the seventh round that you, you want to be in your quarterback room for an entire season, so you use your draft pick on him, and then you take the undrafted kid for your camp arm. Yeah, and you know the, the only other option would be sign, signing you know, a veteran uh, who is not on a roster. And I just think that, that can get pricey, when you're looking right? at pricey and when you look at some of the things the Steelers decided not to do, Terrell Edmonds, you know, with some right. of the other veterans who played a lot, you know, they were 
They didn't tender any of their restricted free agents because of the numbers involved. I don't think that they want to go because you're going to have to pay, you know, a veteran. The veteran minimum is going to be a whole lot more right. than you would have to pay either a draft pick or an undrafted rookie. And you're going to need that veteran to want to come in and be a number three, right? Like he's not even going to come in and be the backup to Kenny. He'll be third on the depth chart. He'll be in sweatpants right. like us on game Com- days. Compete to be three. Right. Not even, a, you know what I mean? Not even right. a lock to be three. Yeah. All right, let's get to our questions this week. Our first one comes from Vincent Baradelli from Orlando Park, Illinois, and he wants to know, if the draft day board is set up by position, wide receiver, running back, offensive line, cornerback, etc., and then players are ranked by best to worst at each position, when it's your turn to draft, how does the team determine which is the best athlete or player on the board? Okay, this is a somewhat common question uh, asked at this time of the uh, the NFL calendar. And let me just explain, you know, the way the Steelers do their draft board, it is not, they players are not ranked by position on the board. They are ranked overall Steeler grade, best to worst on the board. And so um, there isn't any uh, situation where you're comparing apples to oranges, offensive tackle versus cornerback by, you know, looking at two separate lists. It's one list, and you know I'm just picking names out of a hat here. Paris Johnson Jr. and Devin Weatherspoon, okay? They are ranked according to their overall Steeler grade. One will be higher than the other. Right. It is, has nothing to do by position. So when your turn comes, you're looking at your board at the top of the board, and, you know, everything is kind of right there for you. It's, it's easy. Eric Olson from Downington, Pennsylvania. I often hear about pro days at various universities. Are these restricted to that particular university's players? Also, is this initiated by the university with the doors open to whatever NFL team would like to attend? Um, You know, there's no hard and fast rule that covers all situations regarding all college pro days. Um, But most often... Uh, the workout at a particular university is limited to the draft-eligible players from that particular university. For example, at Alabama's Pro Day, they're all Alabama players. You know, I mean, because the point of it is... let some Auburn guys sneak in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because the point of it is, you know, every, every university, every uh, major college football program wants to showcase their guys, give them the best opportunity to make an impression via these pro days and so you know that's the the invitation list in terms of the players is often limited now there could be some situations you know where um uh you know someone else could could get invited to a, a pro day at a different university but usually the major college programs as you mentioned you know there could be someone who attends you know a pro day um, who didn't necessarily go, wasn't necessarily part of that program. But when you're talking about the five, the members of the Power Five conferences, as you mentioned, there's no Auburn guys at the Alabama <laughs> Pro Day. Um, so there's that. At the Pro Day, um, the on-field drills are set up by the universities, but you know they're also trying to showcase their guys. And so there are situations or uh, an allowances made uh, for some of the NFL personnel 
to be on hand to participate in running the drills. And there also could be, as an example, um, edge rushers versus college defensive ends. So if a, a, a player was a college defensive end, played defensive end in college, but he is projected to be an edge rusher or a 3-4 outside linebacker in the NFL, that college will put that particular individual, or if there are more than one, through you know different agility drills. Again, they're trying to showcase this guy's skills and give him the best opportunity you know, to get picked. So there, you know, it's, uh, there, as I said, there are no hard and fast rules. And, you know, and the other thing is, um, a, a college would not say, okay, only the first 10, you know, uh, replies, RSVPs <laughs> to the invitation from the NFL are going to be allowed in. I mean, I, that, that's, again, that's not, con- that's counterproductive, but they may say, they may ask for an RSVP just, you know, I want to know how many, like if you're having people over to your house yeah, to watch the draft. Yeah, they got to know how many lunches to cook, right, Labs? I mean. Exactly, right. <laughs> how many pizzas do I need? You know, how many cases of Gatorade do I need? So, yeah, there's there's that uh, work at work as well. William Kilpatrick from Monongahela, Pennsylvania asks, I know that there is a slotting system for rookie salaries. So in the 2023 NFL draft, does the Steelers 32nd overall pick get a first round salary because there would be 32 picks in the first round if the Dolphins didn't have to forfeit their number one pick this year? Uh, no. I mean, you know, uh, around uh, the round, uh, any particular round of an NFL draft, you know, runs from it doesn't it, it can can include numbers but it's not bound by those numbers. I mean, the 32nd overall pick is the first pick of the second round. I mean, that's the rule. So the, the 32nd overall pick, whoever it is, gets a contract that is only four years. He doesn't come with a fifth-year option. So Do you think you know, the team wants it that way? Do you think they'd like the fifth-year option, or do you think they like it that they can maybe get them a little cheaper than usual years at number 32 this year? Yeah, you know, I, I do believe that um, there are – uh, advantages to the pick being the first pick of the second round. I mean, there are many of them. Let's yeah. start with the fact that you have 20 hours in between right. you know, to figure out what you want to do, whether you want to pick someone, trade the pick, shop the pick, you know, whatever, there's that. Um, it is cheaper uh, to, to um, have a, a pick, first pick in the second round does not command the signing bonus uh, or the a lot of the other perks that go into a first-round picks contract that a guy picked on the first round will get. Now, there is the downside of there is no uh, fifth-year option for a team to uh, fall back on as a crutch. But, I mean, if, you know, by the second season of whoever this is, um, you have a pretty good idea, yeah. you know, if you like them or not. And the other thing is, if you re-sign the guy, again, it's probably going to be for less money than the fifth round op- or the fifth year option is because you know that kicks in. That's a pretty big number. So you know, um, I, I just don't think the the security blanket of the fifth year option is enough. Um, you know, for the Steelers to say, well, let's trade up to number thirty one. Um, so we get the fifth year option right. on whoever we pick number 32. It's, um, it's a factor, but I don't think it's big enough, uh, that you want to, 
that it's the deal breaker or deal maker one way or the other. Tom Agu from Lawrence, Pennsylvania. I saw a website list the Steelers' 2023 draft picks, and missing were picks in rounds five and six. With William Jackson III being released and never having dressed for a Steelers game, wasn't the draft pick used to acquire him conditional and now should return to the Steelers? Um, no, because the the picks that the, that uh, were exchanged between the Washington Commanders and the Steelers that were a part of the trade um, that where William Jackson III came to Pittsburgh, those picks are for 2025. So that's down the road. Michael Arcella from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Was there ever a time where the Steelers drafted players from the same position in consecutive picks? Um, you know, okay, I, I say this all the time with a lot of these questions. You know, the Steelers have participated in every draft. The first one was in 1936. So whenever the question, was there ever a time, I mean, that's a lot of years. Yeah. Um, and many of those years, you know, football was not a lucrative business back in a lot of those years. Um, not as sophisticated and complex, neither was college football. So, you know, the same position, you can go back and look at the history of the draft, some of the drafts in the, you know, 40s and 50s, where players are listed as, the, the, uh, the player's name, his position is listed as simply as B, which is back. You know, what is that? <laughs> I mean, you know, because they ran the single wing. Was yeah. he a tailback? Or um, with other players, it will say E, end. You know, they weren't <laughs> flankers and split ends and tight ends. You know, so uh, it's – I'm not going to get into, you know, the ancient history. So I will say this. I, I will do this, answer this question, starting with Chuck Knoll's tenure, 1969. And I'm also going to only deal with the top half of those drafts because, you know, when you're picking 20-plus some rounds – um, you know, your 24th and 25th round picks, I, you know, neither one of them ever made the team anyway. So what difference does it make? All right. Now, that was a long-winded uh, lead up to this. <laughs> okay, 1973, um, the Steelers drafted J.T. Thomas and Ken Ferris in the first and second rounds. 1980, they drafted Bob Coors and John Goodman defensive ends with their pair of second-round picks. Um, in 83, they drafted wide receivers Paul Scancy and Greg Garrity. They had two fifth-round picks, uh, and Scancy and Garrity were the consecutive picks in that fifth round. 1987, cornerbacks Rod Woodson and Delton Hall went one and two. In 1988, they drafted what they listed as centers, Dermonte Dawson uh, and Chuck Lanza with their second and third round picks. But when Dawson first came to the Steelers, he played guard for one year before being moved to center. So, you know, you can interpret that any way you'd like. Uh, 1991, the Steelers drafted Jeff Graham and Ernie Mills in the second and third rounds. And then in 2011, cornerbacks Curtis Brown and Cortez Allen were picked in the third and fourth rounds. Eric Shear from Downington, Pennsylvania asks, since the Chuck Knoll era, the Steelers have drafted consistently well. That sort of sustained success can't be the result of a single person or team of people. 
Decades of success during changing times has to be institutional. And I suspect the success did not predate Noel. In your opinion, what do you attribute this to? And do you think Noel was the catalyst to bring it about? Well, Chuck Noel was certainly a, a significant, significant uh, part of this. But I would say, um, you know, when you're talking about the catalyst, I would call I would call Dan Rooney the catalyst because he's the guy who ultimately convinced his father, uh, founder Art Rooney, Art Rooney Senior, uh, to get rid of the twin policies of trading draft picks for veteran players that other teams did not want. And then the other one was hiring coaches based on the recommendations from your quote-unquote friends around the league. So that was the catalyst. Then Dan Rooney went out and looked for candidates to present to his father who would carry on these uh, newfound principles. And that led to the hiring of Chuck Knoll. Uh, he believed in the plan for the reconstruction uh, through the draft, uh, and then he implemented it virtually perfectly. Jim Graves from Watertown, Massachusetts, has our final question today, and he wants to know, I saw that Heinz Ward was drafted on April 18, 1998. The Steelers selected him in the third round with the 92nd overall pick of that draft. Considering the career that Heinz had with the Steelers, I was wondering if you could shed some light on which receivers were chosen before him that year and why the Steelers scouts saw something in him that others missed. Uh, okay. Um, Heinz Ward, there were 13 wide receivers picked before Heinz Ward in 1998. And when I, when I um, list these names, you're going to see, uh, you'll recognize the only one who had a better NFL career than he did. Uh, in the first round, the receivers were Kevin Dyson went to Tennessee. Some guy named Randy Moss went to ding, Minnesota. Ding, 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 ding. That didn't take long. <laughs> and uh, Marcus Nash went to Denver. Uh, in the second round, uh, Jerome Payton went to Indianapolis. Jaquez Green went to Tampa Bay. Patrick Johnson went to Baltimore. The Ravens couldn't draft wide receivers even back then, <laughs> apparently. Uh, Jermaine Crowell by Detroit. Tony Simmons by New England and Joe Juravicious by the New York Giants. In the third round, Brian Alford went to the New York Giants, E.G. Green to the Colts, Indianapolis at that time. Uh, Jamie German went to Atlanta. Larry Shannon went to Miami. Oh, some of these names, and, Labs. Right. <laughs> I mean, um, so, but anyway, I don't even know that the Steelers deserve a lot of credit for seeing something particularly special about Heinz Ward. <laughs> and what I base that on is in the next two drafts, 1999 and 2000, they used their first round pick on a wide receiver. Troy Edwards in 1999, Plexico Burris in 2000. And, you know, Heinz Ward's career was based on uh, him finding ways to motivate himself. And one of his favorites was, you know, nobody believed in me. And he used that a lot about Troy Edwards and Plexico Burris being number ones the next two years. And that was one of the driving forces that motivated him to become the kind of player that he ended up becoming. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, I think the Steelers kind of fell into it with Ward. Not that they, um, not that they really saw what they ended up getting in him before they picked him. 
And yet another example in a long line of them of the draft being somewhat of a crapshoot when it comes to evaluating these players. You, oh, you really just no don't question know. <laughs> about yeah. Oh, one last question for you. Oh, did you boy. get all your shopping done for the holiday weekend? That's I did get all my shopping done for the holiday weekend. Yes. Okay. I'm all set up there. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to get me something really expensive. Just something nice. Something and nice. Something tasteful. I know. Well, yeah, I'm coming right. down to your dojo down on the south side. I better. I mean. <laughs> Well, the draft gets started this Thursday. The draft coverage on SNR will be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Anytime the draft is on, we'll be on the air talking about it, so make sure you are tuning in for that. Labs will definitely be a part of that. I'll be a part of it. We look forward to bringing you all the coverage live from the Steelers facility in the south side. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Offerman. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the draft, and we'll talk to you next week on Asked and Answered.